0: Welcome
1: to the Early Childhood Intervention Family Voices Podcast. Our podcast today is being recorded on the lands of the Warring people, and I wish to acknowledge them as traditional owners. I'd also like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. The Family Voices Podcast is a series of conversations with families and professionals. We hope the podcast builds on families' knowledge, skills and confidence when navigating early childhood supports. The podcast is also an opportunity for families to share their individual stories as a family with a child with a disability or developmental delay. This podcast series is brought to you by Early Childhood Intervention Australia, Vic Taz. To learn more about the podcast and our organisation, please visit ekiavic.org.au. Hello, I'm Kerry Ball from Family Voices Podcast, and it's my real pleasure today to be joined by Fiona. Hi, Fiona. Morning, Kerry. Really good to talk with you. I'm so looking forward to our conversation. Fiona, you wanted to talk to us about well-being.
0: Why is that so important to you? I think scarily maybe because i think perhaps my family wouldn't be as stable as it was if i didn't talk about my own well-being and also my family's well-being i think that it's so important when you've got kids with additional needs i think it's important when you've got kid, any kids or any family but to really think about that and how that influences how they develop but also how you just get through it and um, looking after my own well-being while not always a priority um, (laughs) you can tell when I have that things work much better for our family well let's hear a bit about that and
1: and I should say that unlike other podcasts This one's a little different in that usually uh, I'm meeting parents just for the first time. But you and I have known each other for decades, Fiona. We live in the same rural town. Um, Our children have grown up together. Can you take us back to the time when
0: your children were very young? I can. And I think, I mean, that's our journey probably starts way back to when I was having my fourth child um that was the start of our journey i guess with other professionals and not just being a family but involving lots of other people in our lives and the, the little story that what started it all for us was january 2001 in a, the middle of a scorching summer um, i had a six-year-old a three-and-a-half year old a two-year-old and i was pregnant with my fourth child and we all got terrible gastro and at that stage, there'd always been niggles about Matthew, who was my second child, whose language had deteriorated a bit since he was 18 months old and he was quite obsessed with drawing on things and he had a limited diet. His language was really you know, low, but we all got really sick and he got particularly sick because he didn't like to drink water. And so he ended up in the Royal Children's and... That then led to a referral to a paediatrician, which led to a referral to early intervention. And that was where I met you. (laughs) And so it was a really challenging time. And I, well, I don't remember 2001 very well at all because I had my fourth child in the February and it really is pretty much a blur after that first year. So I guess that's where that journey of thinking about myself and in retrospect, I didn't manage it very well early on and I had to allow other people into my life to support that. Mm. You had so much
1: going on at that time and uh, it is when we first met each other, when I was working in early intervention and um, you were uh, an incredibly busy mum.
0: How... Did you manage at that time? What did you do? Well, I think first thing it was a lot of times you're on autopilot. Um, I remember bringing everything in, so our world became quite small at that at that time, and that's what makes it very difficult when you've got concerns about your child's development. That who you trust and who you allow into your lives becomes. Quite small. I, you know. I, you were very careful about who you could leave kids with and I think probably because at that time I had postnatal depression, wasn't diagnosed, but I was going through that. So when I felt like that, I had to be in control of everything as well. So our world became smaller and my husband and I relied on each other a lot and eventually I had to listen mostly to him, um, but to myself about how I was feeling, and then I had to go and seek some support for that. But I think it was just, you know, it was one day at a time, that horrible cliche. Um, That's how we managed, one day at a time, one weekend at a time.
1: Yeah. You use that word trust, Fiona. It's so important, isn't it, when your world sort of closes in, you've got a small circle of people around you that you trust. You're trusting group of people were they both friends and family and professionals who who was in your your little group that you
0: yeah (laughs) well it grew as as the kids grew the the circle of trust grew initially it, it probably would have been you know just neil just my parents who could take the kids you know occasionally but also then starting to bring professionals into our lives who we definitely trust. And and interestingly, school, we had lovely school teachers who I had to trust um, and I did. And I think I've said to you before, it's funny, all of those people who were part of our lives early on are actually still part of our lives. Yes. So I think it starts off small and then you learn who you can trust and, and who knows things. And I think that getting the support around understanding what was going on, that certainly increases your trust levels because you, will they get it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you talked about your second child, Matt, and your worries about him when he was young and the referral to the paediatrician. I know, Fiona, that at that time, one of the things you did was um, go to a parent group with Neil. So a group of parents and uh, some professionals talking about autism and the early signs of autism and what you can all do at home to support your children's learning and, and development and well being. Can you tell us a bit about that? Because I know it was really
0: pivotal for you. Oh, it was an extraordinary time in our life. Um, not for the fact that it was 20 weeks, which was a huge commitment to make with a busy family, um, but we did the preschoolers with autism program and it, it was absolutely pivotal. And I, what it did, I think, A, the most important thing was that we did it together. And I, I think probably a lot of people who listen to this when they're the mum or maybe dad who's the primary caregiver, you spend a lot of time relaying information about your child to your partner and a lot of times you really can't be bothered going into the specifics or you can't remember the specifics and it's it can be quite isolating i think for the partner so it was really important for neil to be able to hear this information firsthand we really understood what was going on for matt and through that we got the diagnosis for Ben, who is our older son, um, because we found we were talking about him a lot and, and his struggles. And what it did was it just, it gave us tools. It it gave us information and strategies about how we could understand our kids better and how we could support them better to develop and learn. And because we were both on the same team, um, because we were both there to listen you know, I got to hear things from Neil that I'd never heard before about how he was feeling about the kids. Um, and I'm sure he got to to hear things from me too. And that really built our capacity and it has set us up for life. You know, that's, that's now 20 years ago. Yeah, it's pretty extraordinary, isn't it? But what I really wanted to do was to get the boys into the community, to get them doing the things that they really enjoyed doing. And that then you know, that makes them happy, their best selves again. So a few of the things we did, we got Ben into Kumon. Actually, we got both boys into Kumon. because Ben loved maths. So that was his passion. So he went and did that and and that gave him such confidence because it was something that he was so good at. Um, Matt loved running. He was a little rabbit. Um, So so we got him into a running group um, and he he just loved it. He had these other friends who liked the same things that he did. And he had a coach who was a, a male mentor for him. And And so he was supported in that environment. We got very involved in the the local football club because Ben loved footy um, and we wanted him to be able to enjoy that with everybody else. Um, So Neil became the coach and then the president and we coached Ben and that was a family day out and our family were part of the community. You know, there was a lot of people who perhaps don't realise or didn't realise what struggles the boys had because they were just part of the community and they were accepted as that. And that was so important. We go back to that trust thing. Then our, then our circle grew. Our You know, the people who, the, the boys were safe in our town. People know them walking down the street. And this has continued on. Matt now lives away from us and he now has his own personal trainer and that's one of his great outlets. So he he has the confidence to go and do that, and that's so important for his well being um, yeah. that he has that exercise. So Ben is part of the football club, and that's his social outlet. And
1: mm-hmm. I think
0: that's what's important. We we did things in the community, and we advocated for how to help support our kids. And I think I hope that our advocating back then has kept going and supported other kids to be able to become part of those community activities. Yeah, I'm quite sure
1: it has, living in the same community. I've seen this and see how important it was for you and the work that you and Neil did in the early days to get the boys involved in community, as you say, the the footy club and, and running and so on. It was so um, impressive the way you went about it, Fiona,
0: but my feeling was that this was quite intentional. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, Neil and I made that decision because we knew early on Ben's passion was football. You know, he could do the numbers and the stats and all of those things. So we, we said, well, if we want him to be safe, and again, it was about him being safe in that environment. And Neil loves football too. So who better to involve themselves than us? And I think I probably felt a bit of a responsibility too. At that time, the Autism Network, and I think we're going to talk about that a bit later, was developing. And it's just so important for communities to understand um, and for our kids to be part of that community. So we wanted to really push that and and get involved ourselves for the whole family. You know, Matt went along and, you know, he he loved the canteen. And... (laughs) But you look at those skills that he gained. He would go up and order his own food from the canteen. He, you know, the the girls had a fabulous time.
1: Yeah, building on their strengths and interests to, to um, support their participation. But also you've talked about this in terms of all your family's well-being, that this was all helping family well-being.
0: Absolutely. We did this together. It wasn't taking the boys off to a therapy session and dropping them off. We did all of these things as a family. And that, for well, for me, you know, it also became times when Neil could take the boys off to, to these things or the boys could go independently as they got, got older, which is really important, um, which takes the load off, Of us especially for Matt having those other male mentors in his life was really important because um, he could talk to them about his worries Um, but we had other professionals in our lives too to do that but knowing you've got other people in your life who can take some of that load is really important and you know, the the more confident you feel about your children being safe and supported, the better it is for your own well-being and then actually it gives you time to think about your own well-being and probably if I look at the times when I had focused in on myself and got support from myself, they were the times when things were best for the kids. Um, so I finally had time to, to go, okay, well they're a bit settled right now what's going on with me
1: yeah.
0: and then concentrating on your own
1: well-being and mental yeah.
0: yeah
1: so is it true to say then fiona that therapy really was happening in your life but it it, it wasn't in a how we think of therapy in a traditional sense that therapy for you was about supporting the kids at home and out in the community and providing support for the whole family in ways like the
0: the parent program. Absolutely and I think the therapy for us was advocating for this to happen 24-7. While the kids were at school, the staff understood um, the the programs that were in place, our house was full of signs and pictures and schedules and, and all of those things that we'd been taught to do. So we could do them. Um, so if there was a change coming up, then Neil and I would know how to prepare the kids. We, you know, we, we took a magnificent European holiday, but we had their Excel spreadsheet down. <laughs> and, and the kids knew what we were doing. So all of those things that we learned early on and Yes, I'm in IT, but I didn't still know some of those things. When, you know, when I was a parent, um, we used them and we still use them. Yeah, and this was all before the
1: um, National Disability Insurance Scheme, the NDIS. But the NDIS does provide families with these same opportunities to think about therapy in terms of supporting uh, family life in kind of everyday routines and activities of uh, what kids are doing in the community and so on. Absolutely.
0: And I hope that we can continue to advocate for that to make sure that families are getting that early support because it is so important because what happens when the therapy stops, if you haven't been involved in that, then it's really hard for you to to know, to continue that on. And I think it's supporting families early on is important for the whole family, not just the children, but for the parents and for the siblings to make sure it is integrated into your everyday life. And I think when we look at the kids too, I hope that we're starting to kind of turn that corner about, Positive therapy about following interests, um, especially for kids with ASD. Following those interests about supporting them to be the best them, rather than fitting them into a mold. And quite frankly, you know, forcing them to do weekly therapy. I just, it's so that's so hard on a family. And I'm very passionate about parent education and parent support because I think it really it can change a whole family. Mm. You've described that beautifully, Fiona, in terms of integrating
1: therapy into family life. But you've also um, talked about building capacity. You used that phrase earlier. What What do you mean by that,
0: Fiona? Well, I think it's come up a lot with NDIS lately. And working in that space, I hear that a lot. But when I think about that, it is about just building into parents capacity to understand um, it's therapy isn't magical it's it's not <laughs> it's just knowledge um and if you can give parents that knowledge like we got that knowledge when we were young parents uh, <laughs> then it it carries through our lives as i said we continually use the strategies that we were taught back then in 2001 we have used them continually throughout our lives and and that built both of our capacity to advocate to help people understand our our children and and i know a lot of people now get frustrated with you know we shouldn't have to help people understand but i think after being in this world for so long we forget how many people don't understand our world and the more people that do, then the better it is for our kids and, and our communities. So I think building families' capacities, building the children's capacities to understand themselves, and that's what happened later on. You know, we we started pulling back from being so involved in their lives. But building everybody's capacity within the family is so important because then hopefully what it does is reduces the need for all of those therapies and and allows us just to, to live within the community as we want to. Mm. You, you talk about
1: building your capacity to advocate. Let's talk a bit more about that because more recently you've been a real driving force for the local autism
0: network. What does the network do? Well, the network started as, oh, you've got a kid who's got a diagnosis, I've got a friend who's just going through that and they're feeling really alone, Um, could we have a chat? And that is literally how it started. I got some support from Prue who was working at COBOL, which was my early intervention place at the time, and through Amaze, which was Autism Victoria back then, to start a coffee morning and it literally started like that. It started as a coffee morning where parents of newly diagnosed children we kind of got together and they would talk about their experiences and because it it was local we could talk about what was around what supports were around but i think mostly it started as a way to tell tell our stories and it's quite pathetic to tell a story and have people nodding on the other end going oh yeah <laughs> well this is what the <laughs> you voices podcast is all about
1: is about <laughs> people telling their story and and the the autism network i mean it's a it's a, a real example of from little things big things grow i think you've got about a thousand members in the group now is that right
0: Correct, yeah, we have, we have. What What makes it work so well now, Fiona? Look, I think it's A, because it was local and it was face-to-face. There's a, there's a lot to be said about being able to get together with people and see them and meet them, and it was a very open place. We could all bring our kids, and we saw some beautiful friendships formed between kids. That, for me, was that... You know look what can happen just with community connection we, we developed into a you know our facebook group is probably the the biggest part of of what we do um so we've moved online a bit i hope and i believe that everybody in our group feels like they can trust our group that it is a safe place um and that they can talk about the challenges but also you know celebrate the joys and that's the main thing is that we get to share and you know for example with mental health with our own mental health with parent mental health that you don't feel so alone when you know that other people have struggled with their own mental health um, and that's when you can draw on the support of, of other other parents to, to normalize it and that does make a big difference.
1: This is the first part of a two-part series of podcasts on well-being. We've just heard Fiona talk about her family's well-being and the role of early information and education, parent support groups, and community connections. In the next podcast, Fiona will talk about her personal health and happiness. In today's episode, Fiona emphasized the need for trusting relationships for everyone in the family, people and environments that felt safe. This was important when the children were young but also in the primary and secondary school years because Fiona and her husband Neil were really committed to helping their children be actively engaged in community activities, building on their strengths and interests to help them thrive. Therapy was about helping everyone to understand how to support the children throughout the day in all the activities they were involved in, strategies that could be integrated into everyday life. Fiona also talked about the importance of a parent group she went to with Neil and how that helped them be on the same team. The group gave them the tools, information and support to help their children's learning, participation and well-being. I loved hearing Fiona talk about this in terms of their children being their best selves. Fiona really embraced this notion of family capacity building and she worked with others to form a local support network providing friendships, information, and support. You can find out about support networks in your area by looking up the Raising Children Network. There are also specific supports if your child has a developmental delay or disability that you can learn about through the Association for Children with a Disability, or Amaze if your child has autism. Thank you for listening. You can hear more from Fiona in our next episode as she talks about her own wellbeing. you've enjoyed this episode of Early Childhood Intervention Family Voices. Make sure you subscribe on your podcast app and feel free to leave a review to help us gain more understanding of what type of conversations are helpful to you. More information about this podcast can be found on ecuvic.org.au. Until next time, thank you for listening.